Welcome to Tice Talks. This is episode 38. We're continuing our conversation on glass bowl living, this time with Pastor Matthew Tice and, of course, our host, Dr. David Tice. It is always a pleasure to be able to sit down with my oldest son and the executive pastor of Liberty Baptist Church, and he is here with us today, and we're going to be talking. We talked uh, last week or a few weeks ago to his daughter, and uh, that that's Ashlyn, and uh, and then his niece or his nephew, Jonathan, Jonathan. <laughs> and we talked to them about living in ministry mm. and how to manage this thing of living in ministry and having people watching your life all the time and the mm. advantages and the disadvantages, and we thought it'd be great to have you. Uh, with us and you to talk about that. You grew up in in, a, in my home, in a pastor's home, um, a little different situation because we were just struggling trying to get through life mm. uh, at times. Um, you are, you are, you're in a ministry that's full blown, and of course, you've been in ministry. You said to me uh, when I asked you how long you've been in ministry. Forty two years of ministry. That's Is right. that all? Forty? Yeah, just four decades. Oh. Yes. <laughs> You've been in you've been in ministry since the time uh, you were born. I mean, you were born into the ministry, and so uh, I'm thankful for your heart and your attitude. And I just want to. We thought we would just review the questions we talked to them about with you, and you could tell us your perspective on those things. And then from a father's, so you, you can look at this from both from both sides, from a, a, a young man that grew up in the ministry, and then as a father who's brought up others in the ministry. I am the generation in between. That's right. What a what a great... Uh... And I, I want to just say, I was so proud of Ashlyn and Jonathan. I thought their answers were very clear and uh, communicated just such a wonderful heart and appreciation for the Lord and the heritage that you installed in us growing up uh, over several decades. I felt it was obvious that they have an appreciation for the things of God, a desire to serve others, and they just did a phenomenal job. I couldn't say say more of how proud I was of them. I am so thankful for them, too. They they both love the Lord, and they both want to serve the Lord, and they both have a heart to do the things that God wants them to do, and that's just great. So so, uh, how did you point out to your kids growing up the advantages of... uh, growing up in the ministry? Well, I love the ministry. It's something that God's called us to. I don't know that that love was always present, especially growing up, because there are struggles that nobody understands if you're not in ministry. But there's things that I don't understand if I'm a... uh, I'm not a construction worker, so I don't understand their frustrations. I'm not a missionary, or I'm not a school teacher's kid. So this is life as I've always known it. But there are certain things. You use the analogy of a glass bowl for young people to live in. There is a scrutiny. And by the way, it's not an improper scrutiny. It's appropriate scrutiny because the Bible says in First Timothy chapter 3 that a pastor is supposed to have his children in subjection with all gravity. So there is a warranted and an accepted um, transparency of life. There should be some scrutiny upon the pastor's family. And some of that scrutiny can be harsh, and some of that scrutiny, just to be frank, can be appreciated. So that my children at Christmas time, they got, there's a family in our church that always buys them presents. Why? Because they're pastor's kids. And specifically says to them, because you're a pastor's kid, we're doing this for you. Well, that's a blessing that they have. 
But on the other hand, uh, uh, 10 other kindergartners can be running around and playing little devils in the auditorium after church, but there's one that will always be recognized because they don't know anybody else's kid's name, but they do know my kid's name. So there's that, there's that tension of blessing, and then there's that balance of understanding people are going to recognize you. So how do we teach those kids? I think you always highlight and come from a perspective of the positive. Look at the blessing of this. Look at the blessing of this. Look at the blessing of this. Also acknowledging some of that the tension is there. So I think if you dismiss a young person's uh, frustration that they might be called out or singled out or uh, berated because of a, a stupid, foolish action, you deal with the action and say, well, that was foolish. Well, everybody else didn't get in trouble, and that's that might be wrong on their part as a leader, but you also bear a responsibility because you are a leader. And having those candid, frank conversations, demonstrating the blessings, and then helping them bear the burdens is what we tried to do. You know, I can remember a time where there was, uh, the, the one of the particular pressures on you was everybody you had to be everybody's friend and there were there were kids that wanted to be your close buddies your your best friends that uh they weren't first of all somebody that we would want to have as your best friend and secondly there were people that you just you as an individual uh wanted you had your friends you had people that you liked to be with and those that you didn't like to be with and um so, uh, so there's that pressure as well. Uh, uh, I can remember having a long conversation one Sunday evening after church, explaining to uh, to a family that uh, look, these uh, our two our two boys do not do well together, and trying to and and trying to explain. Listen, there's never going to be a situation where they're going to be best friends, and uh, I can remember that family leaving the church uh, over it. Uh, uh, there's just that pressure that's that's there, and uh, uh, it's it's an unusual thing for a pastor's for a pastor's kid. And everyone deals with that pressure, uh, uh, that pressure. So many kids will come into a, an environment, a Sunday school class, a youth group, and they know no one, which is a different pressure than having everyone know your birthday and teach you in nursery and being with kids for a long period of time. So if you highlight the negative and you don't demonstrate the positive, it's going to become a burden. And so I think we, we celebrate the blessings and we share the burdens. Okay. So are there things that you have purposefully done to help your kids not resent the ministry itself? Honest, candid conversations. So if somebody is being uh, difficult as a leader, if someone is being difficult as a teacher— just say, I don't think that that would have been a good way to handle it. I think they could have handled it better this way, but they're still the teacher. You do what they say. Or um, these kids are being disrespectful, or these children. My child, it doesn't matter if I was the pastor's kid or if you, if I was a pastor or if I was a um, businessman. My kid would not be behaving in that fashion. You would not be doing that. You're still, you'd still be getting spanked. Or you'd still be getting in trouble because of uh, our family values rather than our um, my position. Okay, well, let's talk about this. Uh, we've talked about some of the negatives. You, 
you have, and we did while you were growing up, we had Family Day. Mm. Uh, tell us about Family Day. Tell us how your take on Family Day and what you've done and maybe some of the things that you've done with your kids on, on Family Day. Our schedule as ministry people is not a 40-hour-a-week, uh, 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 type of job. We do work six days a week. Every Sunday, we are Sunday's our busiest day of the week. Just this past week, uh, we were here at church from 7.30 till 8.30 at night. Went home for two hours, had lunch, and then turned right around because of meetings and different things. And we set the schedule, so it's not a complaining. It's the things that we do. But I believe one of the things you taught us was to be intentional and purposeful in investing in our, our family to let them know nobody else is going to have this margin or time of our life because we want to invest in you. So we would take Mondays as a, a time that was just invested in our family. Sometimes it's doing yard work. Sometimes it would go to a amusement park. Sometimes we would go hiking. But Mondays for us was always a day where all of the distractions, all of the uh, pressures of ministry would be alleviated, and purposefully we would focus on our four children and each other. So you, what did you do this past Monday? It seems like a year ago. Um, there was, this past Monday, uh, it's finals week at school, so all of our kids went to school, and I ripped out my backyard. You ripped out your backyard? Yeah, we're putting a pool in our you're backyard. You're putting a pool mm-hmm. in your backyard? Is, it, is this proper for a pastor to have a pool in his backyard? Is it right? I think so. <laughs> Jesus went to He's the pool of Bethsaida. Baptisms in he pool. did. Yes. What so, was that? It's so he can conduct baptisms from home. That's right. When you his can, neighborhood comes to Christ. Well, we will have a pool party at our with our entire cul-de-sac once this thing is finished. I think sometimes preachers feel like they have to just be holy, 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 and we do. But holiness is defined that. as never having fun or having a somber look on their face continually. Um, and I think sometimes we we can ruin our children by 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 expressing to them or giving them the idea that you know you've just you've got to you've got to have this holy air aura about you and the fact of the matter is i believe that jesus had fun i like the the chosen uh series that's coming mm-hmm. out because it shows the humanity of christ and it mm-hmm. shows him having fun and uh the uh the things that are being done i may not agree with everything uh, theologically about it i just i love the fact that the humanity of christ is being emphasis uh, emphasized in there along with his deity uh, but i i just i was thinking about some of the things that you did on Monday, and I knew that Monday you'd you'd put in uh, a swimming, or you started putting in a swimming pool, and I think that's so important because you enjoy time with your ch- children. Yeah, you know, one of the we do we would just have fun. We sometimes we play video games, sometimes we just watch movies. You had a Catan like uh, series uh, uh, event going on in your house. Our, family since Luke turned about five years old he's been able to play a game called Settlers of Catan with us and so we would play that game um, in the summer of 2019 we played that game I want to say about 70 times so we would get a game in and then we said whoever won the tournament whoever won the most rounds would get a hundred dollars at the end of the summer and uh, I, wanna, I was can not I invited play? did you want to get yeah, in I on was. that Oh. Well, we, if you do remember, at Christmas time, we got every single staff I member. I do remember that. And we were going to have a Catan 
something a Catan tournament. We're yeah. going to have that at our house. We're waiting for the grand opening of the pool, oh, and okay. so then we can do this whole so next year. Thing. Then no, it should be done in about a <laughs> uh, month and a half or so. <laughs> I hope it's not next year. That would be a challenge if that. Well, you're not using any there. lumber, so you should be fine. That's true. We'll be all right. You know, one of the other things that we would do on family day, and looking back, this really helped us. It became a debrief from the week. So oftentimes we would talk about what happened this past week, what happened in services on Sunday. And the kids would all invest and speak into what happened in services on Sunday, what happened in their uh, youth group meetings. And then it would be a strategy for the next week. And in some of those conversations were just the most candid and real um, philosophical discussions about life. It was in one of those conversations we decided to have a family motto to develop a family mission statement. Oh, that's cool. And in that family mission statement, uh, we decided that the Tice family exists to demonstrate to people the uh, joy of serving Jesus. Wow. And that was something that we, I remember exactly where we were. We were in Disney's California Adventure eating burritos on the Fisherman's Wharf there. And we talked about what our family exists for. And we've not always been perfect on it, but whenever we're fighting or whenever there is tension or we're making decisions about what we are going to do or not going to do, we're able to go back and say, our family exists for the purpose of showing people the joy of serving Jesus. Wow, that is great. Mm -hmm. I like that. And now I want to go to California and go to California Adventure. Yeah. (laughs) And it's open. It's open. That's right. We should be able to go together. All right. So... Okay, what's the next question we had? So our next question, which we asked to the kids last time, well, a couple times ago, was how did you encourage your children to have a personal relationship with the Lord? For us, I think it would be trying to um, demonstrate to them rather than dictate to them. So our natural conversation was about the Lord. I tried to be in a place where they would catch me reading the Bible from time to time or reading, but rather than... Go to your room, take the next 10 minutes. I don't know that we ever did that with our kids. Uh, Do your devotions. There may have been two or three times when they were just acting like children and they needed more of the Word of God in their life. (laughs) So might have said, go to your room. You needed some peace. There may have been a time or two when we did that, but we never dictated what they were supposed to do in their walk with God, but we tried to demonstrate to them what we did. Uh, Brianna is a very good communicator of just authentic Christian living, and we just tried to be... This is who we are. Uh, many times, so the thing we get on our kids the most about is fighting with each other. And then from time to time, there might be tension between Brienne and I. And if we're fighting with each other, it, everyone in the house knows if we're fighting with each other. And so multiple occasions, we've had to come back to our kids and say, you know, I was wrong. You heard us. We're sorry for fighting in front of you. Um, not that we've been perfect with this, but we've tried to just demonstrate authenticity because we we get on them about fighting with each other all the time. But if they see us do it, we've been hypocritical. So I think demonstrating rather than dictating was our, our method. I, I remember um, while you guys were growing up, I remember a particular preacher's kid uh, saying to me, and how I got in trouble, he said I had, to, I had to go and memorize. They made me memorize a chapter of Scripture before I could come out of the bedroom. And I thought, wow, that's equating Bible reading with punishment. And I don't, I don't want that. Uh, uh, we certainly want the, 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 uh, our children to want to read the Word and want to pray. 
and we want them to understand the value of of reading the word and praying but we you you, you don't force that down anybody but demonstrating it is important uh, and that's that's great what one of the things i did was i listened to the bible mm-hmm. on every morning so you guys would wake up and hear me listening to the bible as i was and i'd read along with it and uh, uh, so I think we also incentivized their walk with God. So from time, so just recently I read a book by Andy Stanley called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And it was asking five different questions. And I have three teenage daughters and a seven-year-old boy. And so I bought the book and I gave it to all three of the girls and said, if you read this book, I'll give you 20 bucks. And they all read the book within a month, gave them all 20 bucks. Um, Luke was too young to read the book. So I said, if you read the book of James, I'll give you 20 bucks. So he read the entire book of James and gave them gave him twenty bucks. Um, that might be manipulative, but I would give them money. I give them; they lose a tooth and they don't do anything to do that. So yeah, might that's... as well give them money to do something <laughs> that will help them in the future. You wrote re, when you were a teenager. I had you rewrite or write out the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. So why did I do that? I think it was because we were homeschooled. <laughs> That could be because I had to write out the book of Proverbs also. Did you? I did. He got the idea from you? <laughs> or your parents? Probably. The, uh, uh, I, I think it was because I was becoming a teenager, so I was 12, 13 years old, and you were trying to ground me. I don't think it was a punishment, but the Bible class, that w- it was in addition to the Bible class. And so it was actually during the Gulf War, I remember watching the Patriot missiles hitting the Scud missiles, and writing out Proverbs chapter 7 and 8. Um, I remember specifically thinking, I want you to, to understand those principles that are in there. And uh, so uh, having you do that, I think, was just really great. And of course, you had Bible teachers. With homeschool, you had Bible teachers because we used the ABECA video. And and uh, you had those Bible teachers every day. You had great Bible teachers like Jim Shetler and, and Jeff Redlin and... Uh, and Dennis McBride, uh, you can't beat that. So you mm-hmm. got you had great examples. Okay. And he also had Dave Tice. I mean, come on. <laughs> we had yes, great we had, Bible teachers. If we're just going to list them. Let's yeah, get them. Just let's don't, get them all. Don't shorthand the no. list. <laughs> okay, so uh, what's our next question here? I, I'm honestly not sure which one we were on. So let's go to this one. What were we talked with your your uh, your daughter and Jonathan? few episodes ago about them going off to college this fall and uh, what they're going to miss, what they're looking forward to. What are some practical ways you plan to help uh, them guiding them through this next season of life, but also letting go at the same time? Man, that's a really difficult question because I don't know all the answers to that because you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, I don't know how to let go. I do know that over the last year when uh, Ashlyn's going to be graduating in just a few days, I remember when she started her senior year thinking, this is my last year with her. And I remember back in August, in bed one night, just starting to get remorseful and regretful and becoming somber. And I was laying in my bed, it was, everyone else was asleep. And I remember thinking, I don't regret anything that I've done with this kid for the last 18 years. And I'm not going to sit here and wallow in sadness over a loss, I'm going to celebrate this next year. Um, and I'm going to be intentional because we live a busy life, but I'm not going to say, oh, I wish I had, I wish I had. And looking back at the 17 years that I had at that moment, 
There was nothing that I said, I don't regret. I wouldn't do anything different. And I, I was thankful for that. And there has been an intentionality each day. So as the calendar turns, especially this spring, I remember looking at different dates and thinking, this is the last March 9th I'll have with her. This is the last April 2nd I'll have with her. But not as a way to remorse or get nostalgic, but to memorialize, this was a good day I got to have with my daughter. Um, now, I think I'm going to be a hot mess whenever she leaves because we enjoy her. But intentionally, for me as a parent, I've decided I'm going to enjoy and I'm not going to look back and regret and what if I have this day, I'm going to enjoy this day with her. We have prepared her for your question about how do we prepare her. That's how we talk about it ourselves. Um, we prepared her so that she'll be financially able to go to school. We've gone to a place where I believe she's going to be protected and yet also grow. That's why our daughter's going to Pensacola Christian College. I value that place. I think Dr. Shoemaker's done a wonderful job there. and I think Pastor Redland is uh, an incredible pastor. So I, I think it'll be a good environment for her to grow in structure, but also enjoy the freedoms of a young adulthood. Um, and I believe that she has an authentic walk with God. She demonstrates an authentic walk with God. We didn't force her to go. We're not saying you have to go here. Um, but it's just kind of been part of her experience or nurturing. This is the direction we want you to go and pointing her there. And she's enthusiastic about attending school there. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. When you, when you watch your kids grow up, I, the other day on my memory page, there was a picture that came up from March of last year, and I was looking, and it had a picture of all five of you guys, my five kids, uh, lined up. And the first thought that went in my mind was this, I do not regret any moment I've ever spent with you as kids or as an adult. Uh, I think people have regrets when they think, man, I should have done this and I should have done that. But the truth of the matter is we spent our life bringing you guys up to serve the Lord Jesus. And and now we're so thankful for what you're doing, and we enjoy this the time we have with ourselves, just, just going off and doing what we do. And we enjoy being able to get together with you at your home and uh, Charity at her home and Faith and Hope and, and Josh uh, when we get that, that opportunity. There is, however, that that initial, when, you, when I walked into your room after you were gone, for Bible college, it was a it was a heart wrenching thing because I knew I w- it was a new, new, new thing in life, but it was a good thing. You were where you wanted to be. Then when you got married, it was like wow, you, you don't even care anymore about being with us. And and it was it's a it's a it can either be like you said a time of remorse or a time of rejoicing. We, we did something. We accomplished something. Mm-hmm. You're serving the Lord. You're doing what I want you to do. Yeah. So, Crystal, where are we? So you're serving the Lord. Where do you see your kids uh, serving in 10 years from now, in ministry or elsewhere? Like, well, as we know, they'll be serving and doing ministry, but yeah. where do you see them doing 10 years from now? I have no idea where they'll be. That's a, you know, yeah, it's a loaded question. Charity wrote this question. So. Yeah, so I have no idea where they'll be. <laughs> I do feel that all of our children have a heart and love for the Lord. So wherever they'll be, whether they're uh, here, abroad, in the United States someplace— um, we're strate- like strategically, Ashland's going into accounting. 
I think that's a good career field, specifically uh, in a feminine role. She can, there's always a job in accounting, so she can um, plug in right out of college into a good paying career if she needs to, or she can use that in a nonprofit. She could use that in ministry. Um, she could use that once she has children, and she could be a CPA from home and helping uh, taxis and creating supplemental income. So one of the, we wanted to make sure that where she would go, it would have opportunity to create income um, in a number of different ways. But, I mean, that's a, that's a practical thing. I believe that I, I have the utmost confidence she'll be serving the Lord, but I don't know where that will be. Well, whoever gets her is going to be a very lucky, lucky man as we watch him going down. I, I said this when Faith got married. I wasn't losing a daughter. I was gaining a swimming pool. So I, <laughs> That's fantastic. I was just swimming in my son-in-law's swimming pool just two days ago. It was great. Well, on that note, this has been episode 38, Glass Bowl Living part two be sure to join us next time episode 39 is going to be the continuation of our conversation on social media and teenagers but we're going to get uh, pastor matt's perspective again with dr tice for that so don't miss out on that also pastor tice has a book out that if you haven't picked it up yet it's called thrive in your what do you remember do you know the name of your book thrive this is a quiz in your prayer life there it is thrive in your prayer life you can get it at davetice.com or at our church website experiencelibrity.com Be sure to like and subscribe. Do all the things on SoundCloud or iTunes. And remember, this is Tice Talks. It's more than a conversation.